Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf here going solo today to break down the Knicks 122 to 117 loss to the Kings. Jalen Brunson is hurt again, which was really a shame in this game because he was pretty much the Knicks' only source of offense. The Knicks could not hit a three for their lives, but there were some things to look at positively as they staged a comeback late against one of the best teams in the West. So I'll be talking about it right now on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes. Right now. Starts without a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Up, up, up. Now fires it. He's good. And he's fouled. He's Anthony for three. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks, and today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. And I am Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Nick's site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land. And I want to thank you guys for making Lockdown Nick's your first listen today and every day, whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or taking in the sights and sounds on YouTube. I appreciate you guys making us a part of your daily routine. And if you haven't already, make sure to hit that subscribe button and uh, the notification bell on YouTube or the auto-download function on your favorite podcast app because we are here five days a week. This is, in fact, our sixth episode this week, I think. Uh, so, you know, a little bonus. But, yeah, uh, be sure to hit that auto-download function just so you never miss one. Uh, but uh, maybe this is a, a little more of a missable game if you want to talk about from a Knicks perspective. Uh, again, the Knicks lose 122-117 to 117 on the road at Sacramento to start their four-game road trip where they're now going to go to LA for a back-to-back over the weekend, and then they'll be facing Portland as well. So pretty tough road trip all in all, though. This was, I think, the hardest stop. So the fact that they were able to shoot 26% from three on 50 attempts and 20 of 31 on free throws, and yet still only end up in a five-point game, maybe it's a good thing, I guess, uh, that the team could be that cold overall and yet still push one of the West's best teams to the brink like this? I guess we'll see, but I, I'll talk about that more in the next segment. The first segment, I think, obviously has to be the Jalen Brunson news. Uh, definitely the the worst news of the game. Uh, the Knicks could have shot 0 of 50 from 3, and the worst thing still would have been Jalen Brunson getting hurt again. Uh, he left the game after the first half after re-aggravating his quote-unquote sore left foot, uh, which... I don't know. I thought it was a sprained ankle. I don't know why they can't just call it that, but sore left foot, according to the Knicks. Uh, but he was pretty much the only source of Knicks offense in the first half. Uh, he had 19 points. He shot six of 12. He shot three of five from three and four of five from the free throw line. And everybody else, uh, cover your ears or fast forward 10 seconds if this is going to offend you, shot 12 of 39. Overall, 3 of 21 from 3. 
and four of 12 from the line in the first half for everyone not named Jalen Brunson. It was truly an atrocious half uh, for anyone not named Brunson. And that made the Brunson absence that much more noticeable in the second half, unfortunately. Uh, It was kind of one of those games. It reminded me a lot of earlier in the season before the Knicks had sort of figured their offense out where they were really relying on Brunson to be their offense, like straight up, not just provide some of the offense, but be the offense. Um, he just, he was carrying them. I mean, he he was the only guy that could make shots. He was the only guy really generating much, like off the dribble in that first half too. And just, it was completely necessary to the Knicks keeping things close, which then you saw early in the second half when the Knicks came out and they were kind of, like shell shocked at not having Brunson. It seemed like they had a hard time getting anything going and they fell behind by over 20 to start the second half, which then of course they sort of figured things out as the half went on with big thanks to Josh Hart, which I'll get to in a couple minutes, but um, you know, they, they were lost without Brunson in this game, especially at first. So I think now the question kind of becomes, how do you weigh bringing Brunson back now? You know, he sat out a couple games prior to this one with that quote-unquote sore foot uh, or otherwise known as a sprained ankle and then re-aggravates it. And there wasn't really any clear moment that it looked like he didn't like just go down in a heap at any point. It was just kind of like apparently it started hurting again. They did show some footage on TNT of him sort of like flexing his foot out a little bit on the court at one point, but seemed like he maybe just tweaked it maybe on a drive or something. And then was not feeling it after that. Um, anecdotally, I mean, I've had sprained ankles. A lot of you that listen to this show have probably had sprained ankles before. The only thing that can really fix it is rest. You know, there's no magic cure for a sprained ankle to make it go away. And unfortunately the more times re aggravate it, like I've also done that where I've, gone out too early on a sprained ankle and tried to do something active and then re-aggravated it, even if it's just a little twist that makes it hurt again, it just sets you back to zero and it makes it so that that ankle is going to have that much harder of a time recovering properly. So I don't, it, it's tough. You know, like, can the Knicks afford to have Brunson rest right now? The This game was proof positive of, like, probably not, <laughs> you know, if they want to continue playing at the level that they've played at for the rest of the season. But you also kind of have to weigh the the medical part of this, which is it, the only way to heal it is with rest. And so he's going to need to rest, you know, probably a couple games to, to make this work. Uh, if you look at just the, the standing situation and where the Knicks are right now and what they can afford to do with Brunson, what they cannot afford to do, so they currently have a 39 and 29 record. I think they're these last two games show they're maybe hitting a little bit of a wall as a team. But in general, they've played pretty well, even without Brunson. I mean, we saw uh the Celtics game, for example. They they played quite well without him. So, you know, there's there's precedent there for they can play better than they did in this game without Brunson. Uh, and they even managed to put it together in the second half in their own special way. Even though they still couldn't hit shots, they were, you know, playing a brand of basketball that allowed them to come back against the the Kings and you know make a game out of this late. So 
you know, it is what it is there. But again, they're they're 39 and 29. They're one game above the Nets for the sixth seed. They're three and a half ahead of the Heat right now uh, for the seventh seed to keep that guaranteed playoff spot. There are now 14 games to go. The Heat aren't exactly on fire themselves right now. So that helps the Knicks too. Um, I think if I were the Knicks, uh, you know, you're also three games behind the Cavs for the four seed now. So that's becoming, I think, less attainable uh per tankathon the Cavs actually have the easiest schedule in the league the rest of the way out now they were at like after the all-star break i think they had the 27th best or 27th uh hardest i should say so like the fourth easiest schedule in the league now they're at the easiest schedule in the league so clearly they've hurdled whatever the hardest part of their schedule was and are on to the last part now uh the knicks meanwhile have the ninth easiest schedule the rest of the way out and this is all by win percentage of opponents remaining. So the Knicks have an, an okay journey themselves the rest of the way out. So I don't know. I, I think it makes for an interesting conundrum. My inclination would be to say to Brunson, like, why don't you just sit for like five games? Like I know the Brunson always wants to play and he always wants to be there for the team. And that's part of what makes him awesome and a really good leader on the team and everything else. But I think if I were the Knicks medical staff and the Knicks coaching staff and even the Knicks front office, like Leon Rose, I might go to him and just say, you know what? Why don't you just sit for like five games? Just get this right. We have the playoffs to look forward to. Well, like in that regard, the fight is over. Like the Knicks are almost definitely going to make the playoffs. They're almost like they're definitely talented enough to beat some bad teams on the way out. And you know, and in these last 14 games, you know, put together uh, a, a good enough win-loss record to, I think, at least hold on to the six seed, probably hold on to the five seed too, if they if they do it right. Uh, so I would probably just tell Brunson, like, just get yourself right because we're going to need you for the playoffs. You know, the most important thing at this point is getting him ready for the playoffs. Like, I, I do really legitimately think the Knicks have a chance at winning a first-round series this year especially if they play the Cavs. I think the Cavs are a pretty decent matchup for them. But even against the Sixers, like I don't think it would be unheard of if they could pull an upset. So, you know, get Brunson right for that. Don't worry about a couple, you know, regular season games now at this point. Like from the perspective of proving something and and becoming a playoff team and all that, the fight is mostly over at this point. Uh, you know, the Knicks are the Knicks are looking pretty good. And even without Brunson they have a talented team that outside of this game, you know, this game they shot horribly and did not play very well. But normally they play quite a bit better and have proven that they can do it without him for stretches. But if they want to be their best selves, they're going to need Brunson at his best self. I think the only way to do that is to have him rest up. So uh, I, I think that's my solution for Brunson at this point. Uh, I want to get into... Well, unfortunately, the bad parts of this game in the next segment before then I get into the positives in the final segment as well with with some of the players that played well and everything else. But first, I do just have to remind you guys that today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Getting to know yourself can be a lifelong process, especially because we're always growing and changing. Uh, you know, the, the things in your life will happen that unlock certain things in you. And sometimes you don't know why you're feeling a certain way or what's going on. And you just need someone to, to help you get through that. And that's where therapy can come in. And, you know, it, it, therapy could be sort of a, a daunting experience sometimes if it's not something that 
you've done before. You know, there's so many different therapists and it's such a deeply personal thing that you want to find someone that, that meshes with you and, you know, gets you and makes the experience enjoyable for you. And that's where better help can come in and really be an asset for you. Um, they allow you to ha- find a, a therapist and switch between them if you need to. And overall give you just a, a, a really comfortable experience uh, so that you can find the right person to talk to when you need it. If you're thinking of starting therapy, you should give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and you'll get matched with a licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash LockedOnNBA. All right, and I'm back to continue talking about this Knicks loss. And look, there's no way to sugarcoat it. The final score says 122 to 117, but this game was awful. It was not a fun one to stay up until 1230 uh, at night for. Uh, I'll tell you that much. It was it was just a, a slog, an absolute slog. And a lot of like getting excited for no reason when the Knicks would get offensive rebounds and stuff. I will get into that in a sec. Like the offensive rebounds really saved the Knicks in this game. Um Actually, you know what? I'll just get into it right this second. Like, so the Knicks shot 13 of 50 from three, which is horrendous. Uh, but off shooting nights can happen. You know, that's fine. I can I can appreciate that. But the real thing here is when you're shooting 20 of 31 from the free throw line in a game where you end up losing by five, that's not great. Uh, the Knicks really needed to shoot better from the free throw line, and they didn't. And that was one of the biggest things I think that really killed them in this game. Luckily they did have, and I mean, I'll, I'll highlight the, uh, the, the chief uh, uh, helper in this category, uh, Josh Hart in the next segment, but the Knicks did have 23 offensive rebounds and 58 total rebounds, which greatly uh, beat the Kings who had 42 total rebounds. Um, so those, those 23 offensive boards were, I mean, absolutely insane. It was like Josh Hart, especially, who I'll highlight, is just such a dynamo on the the glass, especially the offensive glass. But, you know, the, the Knicks just needed to make more shots. That was all it came down to for this game. And they needed to take more advantage of those, those opportunities they were generating for themselves by getting those offensive rebounds. Um, RJ Randall and Quickly all went completely cold from deep at the same time in the same game which is not good. Uh, RJ shot one of eight from three. Randall shot two of 12 and quickly also shot one of eight. Um, RJ and Randall were at least able to put something together quickly. Didn't. And it was, it was not great. I'll, I'll get into that in a second as well. But you know that I think that if we get back to the free throw shooting, it kind of came down to RJ and Randall and Brunson did well with that in the first half. He shot four or five from the free throw line and was was proven to be as reliable as he always is there. But um, RJ shot 6 of 10, Randall shot 5 of 9. So they got to the free throw line plenty. They just didn't convert the amount that they needed to. And these are the types of things that, you know, the, the Knicks are going to need to sort out by the playoffs. Like, it was illustrated in this game. You know, they have a playoff-ready team. 
they, I think they can absorb a bad shooting night uh, from three and still be in games thanks to you know Brunson and thanks to the offensive rebounding and thanks to their ability to get to the line. But the free throws are going to be the thing that they really need to hammer out as we get towards the the playoffs because it, it, having bad free throw shooting um, in the playoffs is is going to lose them games. You know if if they're able to generate those free throw opportunities but not take advantage, that's not good. Um, the defense, I, I think also, you know, they adjusted pretty well to the Kings. Like uh, one of the biggest things I think was containing Sabonis or lack thereof early. Like he just absolutely toasted Mitch early on and was kind of just killing the Knicks regardless. And look, it's not like they stopped him in the second half. He still wound up with a triple double by the time all was said and done. But I thought that they did pretty well, you know, adjusting to him, adjusting to the Kings offense a bit closing out on shooters better, making guys a little more uncomfortable, which led to the Kings getting some misses, which then created, again, more opportunities for the Knicks that they just cannot take advantage of in this game. So if this was sort of a playoff preview, which granted, of course, they're not going to be facing the Kings in the playoffs, but this is another playoff team. It definitely felt like a playoff atmosphere and, you know, national TV game. I think both teams clearly wanted to win this one. Nobody was like mailing it in or anything. The Knicks just were cold, but um, th- these are the little things that the Knicks need to hammer out, and, and like one of the main things has been a huge issue for them, not just this year but in years past, is the free throw shooting, and and that's going to need to come around. Now, hopefully, again, alluding back to the first segment, hopefully Brunson is healthy, which really helps uh, uh, things because he's one of the most steady hands that they have at the free throw line. But other than the horrible shooting, like I really. I thought the game plan worked pretty well too. Um, they were generating open looks. They were just clanging them in the first half. Like nobody can make the shot, even though they were getting open ones. Um, and again, they got to the line plenty. You know, they they got there. Uh, I think six and a half more times than their season's average. They average about twenty four and a half, and they got there thirty one times. So, or yeah. So I mean, that's that's pretty great. Um, but yeah, also worth noting, I mean, the Kings are just a good team. They're in the second spot in the West. They deserve it. I mean, they're, they're playing fantastic this year. Like, great for them. You know, the Knicks and Kings have a a very similar team trajectory arc over the years of just being absolutely awful since around the year 2000. And the Kings are finally figuring it out this year, right as the Knicks are too. And it's pretty sweet. So, I mean, it, you know, this game was way more excusable than like the Charlotte game, for example. The Charlotte game, the Knicks should have never lost. There's no excuse for that. But the you know, other than just being tired after the the double overtime game and all that stuff. But you know, that this game, it's an excusable loss, and they just got really cold. But you know, it, it is what it is. There, uh, I do think there were some other positives too, which I'll get to in just a second. Um, especially Josh Hart and Quentin Grimes. But I do have to just quickly let you guys know about FanDuel. And FanDuel is the official sportsbook partner of Locked On. And the midway point of the NBA season is now past, and it's the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's that's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. I love doing a same game parlay. Uh, I'm kind of glad I didn't for 
last night's game because I would have gotten royally screwed on that if I bet on anything good for the Knicks. Uh, but same game parlays are fantastic. You can uh, put multiple players, multiple things that you want to happen in the game and bet on them all happening at once. And it greatly increases your odds and, and gives you uh, you know, a better chance to win. I always call my bets uncut gems bets. They're uh, very much just throw a bunch of stuff at the wall and hope it sticks and try to make an educated guess. And uh, even if they don't hit, it's, it's a really fun time, but if they do hit, you pretty much set yourself up for like a year more of same game parlays <laughs> just for fun. So it's, it's always my favorite thing. Um, but yeah, so definitely combine your bets and you get a chance at a bigger payout with a same game parlay. Don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets. When you go to fanduel.com slash locked on that's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more, make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner, of the NBA. All right, and I'm back to continue discussing this game. Uh, again, 122 to 117, the Kings win. And, you know, credit to the Knicks, like, right? Like, I haven't really alluded to this. Well, I guess I did a little bit, but they came back from 21 down in this game, managed to make it a game, so that's, that's good. I mean, again, they showed playoff intensity in this game. They showed the ability to beat a really good team, even not on their best night but they just had some fatal flaws that eventually made it so they didn't win. But, I mean, Josh Hart, he's he's going to be a huge playoff addition for this team. You know, I think that there's a good chance that he might swing a playoff a playoff game or two for them uh, in their first-round series or maybe even in a second-round se- series. He had just a virtuoso hustle guy performance. Uh, nine points, 15 rebounds. Eight of those were offensive. Seven assists, three steals, three of four shooting. I almost wish they could have generated more shots for him because he was getting them to go in. Um, you know, three of four, he shot one of one from three. So, but he mostly he was all over the court. He was the main reason the Knicks were able to stay in this game, in my opinion. Uh, one of the best sequences, to my recollection, he got an offensive board. It generated points for the Knicks. I forget in what way. Um, someone might have made a three. Uh, it doesn't seem right because nobody made threes in this game. Um, but, you know, someone scored. And then on the inbounds, he just came out of nowhere to steal the inbounds pass. It was very Pablo Prigioni-esque and generated another opportunity for the Knicks. I think that one was an RJ3 that didn't go in, and then the the Kings wound up getting it back, or maybe the Knicks even turned it over. I forget. But just that level of opportunity generation by him is, is so valuable, and, and that's just what he brings to the table. He's going to hustle the entire game. He's going to you know, be up guys' butts and and just in general be a pest to the opposing team. And and that's the most you can ask out of a guy like Josh Hart. Um, I also thought that he was really key as he has been uh, at different points uh, since he came to the Knicks. He was just uh, the absolute key to setting the tempo and matching the Kings' tempo. Like the Kings play really, really fast. And it was – it could be hard for a team like the Knicks to normally play – more of a half court style to adjust to that. And Josh Hart made that a lot easier of a process for them just by pushing the pace, getting out in transition himself, finding guys for gorgeous assists. Um, in the first half, he he had one of his offensive rebounds and hit a streaking RJ for a dunk, which was just an awesome play. But it was just stuff like that. Like he has that innate ability to like grab a rebound, put his head immediately up and start looking for guys to pass to down the court. And if he doesn't do that, then 
using a great pace himself to read the situation as he's as he's dribbling down, never slow down too much to the point where it resets to a half court offense and still leaving the door open for that fast break to finish off. But also he doesn't go at it recklessly and just like drive into three guys in transition and whatever. And it's, it's a joy to watch. Um, Speaking of a joy to watch Quentin Grimes was as well. He had 19 points shot four of 10 from three. Uh, All four of those makes came in the second half. He was four of seven there and was totally critical to the comeback bid. He just hit big shot after big shot. It seemed like every three that he hit was a huge momentum swinger that the Knicks really needed. And like, that's, that's all you could have asked for from Grimes in this game. The shooting too is just so critical. Like they needed anyone to make a shot in this game. And Grimes was sort of that guy in the second half. And it wasn't just from three. He managed to put it together in other ways too. He had a really nice reverse layup at one point uh, that stands out to me, but you know, he, he just did what the Knicks needed in the second half. And it kind of just underscored like, Again, if we're talking about, you know, it's time to start thinking about the playoffs a bit here. He's going to need to be their most consistent spot-up shooter if they want to find some success in the playoffs. And um, this game was just proof of that. So hopefully he's able to do that. Um, Emmanuel quickly, unfortunately, not a very good game. Three points, one of 11 shooting. I thought he was pretty invisible on offense, which is not something that's happened lately. Um, But he just wasn't doing the things that make him great outside of shooting. And for that reason, I think this is probably one of his worst games of the season. Um, you know, if, if quick shot isn't falling, he has to have a backup plan. And normally he has. He's been getting inside. He finds the floater or he just starts creating for others or whatever the case may be. But none of that was here in this game. He was just a total, like, he was totally invisible on offense, which he can't be. A lot of times he he has to be the Knicks, like, third or, you know, if, if it's a game that RJ is doing really well, fourth best player. But definitely their best bench option and he he can't have these games anymore where if the jump shot isn't falling it completely sabotages his night and that was basically what happened in this one um mitch i thought was struggling early uh but i I actually give big credit to isaiah hartenstein for coming in and sort of setting a tempo of how to defend sabonis uh for one thing but then also just like the style that the knicks were gonna have to play for this game um I thought that Hartenstein did a good job of setting that blueprint and then Mitch sort of slotted into that. And especially the way that he was defending Sabonis, it was more just like stay straight up and down, make him a little bit uncomfortable. Like you're so much bigger than him. You don't need to, you know, make movements at him. You can just kind of be big and he could throw however many fakes he wants at you, but, or, you know, try to, you know, sweep under you, whatever. But as long as you keep your hands up and, and rotate around with him, you can defend him pretty well and it's going to be hard for him to, to generate, you know, foul calls that way. And also difficult for him to, to generate the separation he needs to make those shots. So I like that out of Mitch and out of Hartenstein. And uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really have too much more to say about this game. It wasn't a fun one. It was, it was a, hopefully the blip, a, a blip at the start of a, a pretty tough West coast trip. Um, they got a back-to-back against the Clippers and Lakers Saturday and Sunday so hopefully they're able to, I mean, I would hope sweep those, but at least get a split and then, you know, go into Portland and maybe get a split for the road trip. I think that would be a success um, to then go back home and, you know, get to, uh, you know, have a more normal schedule on your own coast and all that stuff. So we'll see how it goes, but certainly uh, we will have you covered here on Locked on Knicks for whatever. 
But I'm done talking about this one because it was not a fun game. So until next time, thank you all for listening, and I'll talk to you soon. Peace.